Hi friend, my name is Maya. Welcome to episode 13 of Light on Living. This episode is titled Wisdom from a Humble Warrior and this is an amazing mind-blowing conversation that I had with Michael from Wisdom and BJJ. And I say mind-blowing not in like a dismissive way, it truly was for me a mind-blowing conversation and this is not the only mind-blowing conversation I've ever had with Michael, but this is the only conversation that we've recorded and I'm really, really grateful beyond words to him for having the bravery and the courage to come on this show. This podcast is created for you to remind you that on this spiritual journey where it might feel like you have to do everything by yourself. You don't have to do it all alone. In this episode, we're going to talk about jujitsu, about war, about being a warrior, and what it really means to belong to the warrior class. We're going to talk about trauma, about the military, about being spiritual and being a spiritual warrior, about witch doctors, healers, and shamans, about fanaticism, living in reality, being in a process thinking kind of mindset, and humility. If after this show you want to reach out to Michael, if you want to learn more about what he does or jujitsu, then please check the show notes. All of the information is there. Before we get into this episode, I just want to reach out to you who's listening right now. Please help me. I need your help. I want to keep growing this podcast. I want to reach more people. I want to make an amazing website. I want to get a better logo. And I want to get more sponsors. And the way for me to get better sponsors, the way for me to be interesting to sponsors is by having more interaction online. So more reviews, more likes, more comments, more shares, more listeners. And that's where you come in. You're super powerful. You have friends. You have fingers. You can type. You can do all these things for me that I can't do while I sit here spend my time this way I need your help I've said it before friends but please 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 support light on living we need each other this is an interdependent relationship I'll say thank you in advance and without further ado welcome Michael from Wisdom Jiu-Jitsu so Michael thank you so much for being on light on living it's my pleasure. It's nice that we're doing this now. We talked about it for a little while. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I like I like uh, I like talking to you. But you also admitted that you were a little bit scared about doing this. Or did, I, did you use terrified? Um. Yeah, I did. But I mean, I think I kind of also talked about that. That's kind of how I go through a lot of things. People have this perception of who I am. Of, uh, I guess being strong and I, and I think I probably am but that doesn't mean I don't have um, self-doubt and hesitation and fear and all the natural things that I think human beings are supposed to experience and uh, yeah I think that's one thing that we have in common because people I mean obviously probably not men of your stature would perceive me as strong but a lot of people feel that I'm strong and sometimes it can be really difficult because when they think you're strong they have so many expectations that you shouldn't feel vulnerable or you shouldn't ever not it's draining feel yeah right maybe you should tell people about my stature 
so they understand. Well, so let's start from the beginning. So I know you for about six years now. Well, five and a half years. I've been with Carlos, and you're one of Carlos' closest people. Yep. And you know Carlos through jiu-jitsu. I know Carlos through jiu-jitsu, but I kind of knew of Carlos when he was a young kid mm-hmm. because of some things that we have in common uh, about where we've lived and where he kind of grew up and became who he started becoming who he is today. So um, I knew of him for sure. So but, you guys met in Rota, which is We where? never met in Rota. Oh, you didn't? We never met in Rota. I'm sure we crossed paths, which is, of course, where you're saying where the there's an American Navy base there. Uh-huh. And I'm sure we crossed paths, but I knew his, I knew of his, um, his father. And, um, yeah, when, when I started looking for somebody to work with in jujitsu here, cause I was teaching the program on the base as a blue belt. And I was affiliated with some brothers who are really good instructors and practitioners in San Diego, but I just couldn't afford to go back and forth. I needed somebody closer, and um, I reached out to Carlos, and we started, came down, and spent like three or four days down here, and trained twice a day with him, and he made a little proposal for how we were going to work together, and that's six years down the road now. But you've been doing jiu-jitsu for... Like nine years, I think. Nine years, you're brown belt. Brown belt, yeah. But that's not the only thing that you've been doing with your time, right? Like, there's a whole backstory because you're a little bit older than, or than me, anyway. Gee, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a little bit older, but yeah, I mean, I was I was in the American military for 21 years. I was in the Navy. You like to say I was in the Army. Yeah, I know. Carlos corrected me on that too, and which explained is, to me the difference. Which is which is fine. I don't really, I'm not that attached to the idea. Um, I certainly enjoyed my time, and it was, I mean, um, yeah, it was good. So that's how I know of Carlos, because his dad was also in the Navy. Yeah. And his dad is also Carlos Verona. And you're Mike Wisdom. I'm Wisdom Jiu-Jitsu, yeah. Yeah. Wisdom Jiu-Jitsu, and that comes from kind of the fact that I am a little bit older. So um, I bring a different perspective, because I think I'm still in pretty good shape for a guy my age. Um, Do you I, want to tell people how old you are? Yeah, I'm 52. It's not private at all. <laughs> <laughs> I hate when I have to say my birthday, but I don't have any hesitation saying my age. Yeah, I'm 52. So um, I still have some physical attributes, but they're they're obviously not the same as like a 25-year-old's physical attributes. Yeah. It's just not the but same. But even then, because that's one thing that we talked about before, because you're obviously a very tall man as well. I'm tall and, and big. big. Yeah. How tall are you? I'm 6'2", so about a meter 89. Yeah. So close to two meters, which is about the size of a normal door. (laughs) And then big and strong. So obviously, like, growing up for you must have been quite different. Because for me, like, I grew, like, 16 centimeters in a year when I was 13. Yeah, and I'm like like 112, between 108 and 112 kilos. It's a big body, you know. And people react to you differently. Like, when I grew all that weight, people started treating me like an adult in six months. And I wasn't. And I would imagine that being like a big, strong, heavy dude, people will constantly kind of treat you differently to how they would if you were 
you know, a small little man. I think they probably did, but I think I was oblivious to it. I think I'm still oblivious to it because I always had friends who were my size or bigger, and I don't even realize how big I am compared to other people. I like I sometimes when you know in jujitsu we like to take pictures with each other and then you know put them on, and I look at myself compared with my training partners, and they don't feel that small when I'm training with them. But when I see myself standing next to him, I'm like, oh, goodness. Yeah. Who is that guy? Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not so tied up in this thought process of size is strength and power. But if you were 165 centimeters, you would be, dude. That's what I'm trying to say. Like, because you're bigger, like certain things, like, probably you didn't even have to think about them. You know what I mean? You're probably right, but I can tell you too, I, you know, one of the places when I was in the Navy they sent me was to Japan, and I can tell you there's disadvantages to being oh a meter 89 in Japan, because I had lumps on my head all the time, okay? <laughs> I mean, it, it, that, that is not the size, of, two meters is not the size of a normal door in Japan, <laughs> and there's consequences to, to my size, you know? But yeah, I, I think you're probably right. I mean, I don't, I don't have to think about that. I mean, I guess where I've come with the whole thought of strength, I think kind of how I introed into this whole thing about my fear and mm. being terrified. I think that there's strength and vulnerability. I think when you can really say who you are and really be who you are, knowing that it's it's not easy to go out into the whatever this thing is that we live in, this spaceship, and be and expose yourself to other human beings. And you know, you, you're going to get judged. So I try not, I try not to think much about it. You're going to get judged, and you're going to get misunderstood. Right. Too. Well, everybody wants to classify you into something, yeah. don't they? Yeah. You know. Yeah, um, which is kind of why I think it's so cool talking to you because. You know, as much as you call yourself like a jujitsu or a jujitsu practitioner, I also feel like you're really a yogi in so many ways. I think I am. I don't know. I don't. I. I, I am hesitant to claim that title because, uh, like I told you, I do yoga type stretching, and I think that I think I, I meditate, and I think that there's a certain level of meditation when you're doing jujitsu. You know, you have to be in the moment. So I think there's a lot of similarities. Mm-hmm. The biggest thing I do, my is I try not to think too much about stuff. You know, who I am today isn't who I was, and, and you know this too. It's not who I was even six years ago, let alone no. ten years ago or twenty or years this ago morning. or this morning. No, I mean, it's, so it's it's this rapid fluctuation, and I think we get tied up in this thought process of that we're static, yeah. that, that there's no change, that being dynamic is horrible or scary. And yeah, guess what? It is. But guess what? You can do to eliminate that scariness nothing so i guess all i do <laughs> i guess all i do is i just don't think about it those are the words of the wise huh well i guess can't do anything about it just you really you can't no. uh, the only thing you can do anything about is how you react to things that's it and that's all i try to focus on mm-hmm. and you know look i'm fallible and i screw it up a lot of times Way more times than I get it right, I think, if you look at the history of... And I think this is true for most of us, the history of our lives. We get it wrong more than we get it right. So what? And it's so easy to look at other people and be like, oh, look at them. They haven't got it figured out. And then I said, well, how good are you doing? I ain't got it figured out. You got it figured out? No. Are you figuring it out? Working on it, but sometimes it doesn't feel like I'm even doing that, to be honest. Sometimes it feels like I'm just kind of like trying to keep up. 
Yeah, that's the nature of the 21st century, I think. It's gone very fast. It's going too fast. But once again, you can't change how fast it's going. Yeah. You can't control that. That's uncontrollable. You can figure out a way to manage how you react. Have really thick skin. Like if you say something to me, yeah. Some people that because we have a I think I think that you and I have a, a connection for as little as we actually spend time together. I feel deeply connected to you. You know what I'm saying? Me too. Why do you like jujitsu so much? So I I don't know. I've always liked to fight people. Why? Well, even when I was a little kid. I don't so know. Are I think you joined the army as well. Or the yeah, military. Well, the military. Yeah, I was when I was a little kid. I was all into like World War Two and the Vietnam War and. I think I think I wanted to do something like that. Why the, to fight people or to be a hero? No, I don't want to be a hero. I don't, I don't even like when people recognize the things that I do. I'm a pretty private person. I'm an introvert, and I think it's fascinating because, like, I thoroughly enjoy people's company. Some people's company, but when I need to recharge, I need to go by myself. I I like to socialize. I don't like to socialize with everybody. I can socialize with everybody. I don't. I, yeah, I wanted to fight people. I wanted to fight. I wanted Why? to. Uh, I don't know. I think that the, as a man, and, and you, you've, I, you and I have had a couple of interesting conversations. I, I think that there's a some men have an instinct to want to do that stuff. Yeah. I, I think that's like I think you even alluded to this that you kind of perceive me as being like in the warrior class. Yeah. That's just how I see my lot in life. Yeah. You know, I remember when I was living in Italy and we were I was with a friend of mine. We're walking through a shopping center. He's like, "What do you think we would be if we were like here in Roman times?" I'm like, "We'd be slaves." We'd be gladiators. That's what we would be. And there's, no, I didn't hesitate at all. That's what I would be. Hmm. You know. If you were, if you were over my side of the world, you'd be a Viking. No? Probably, yeah. Raping and pillaging. Probably. And farming, because that's the other huge thing that Vikings did that people don't really ever talk about. They were farmers. Yeah, better than everyone. Really good farmers, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, yeah. right? Yeah. So. Well, most warrior classes actually had really good farmers behind them. That's how the come the warriors ended up getting so strong. Cause you got to feed soldiers. Yeah. You got to do that. You can't. You can't um, not give them food. Yeah. So it's closely connected because before there were warriors, they were the hunters. Yeah. And actually, in most like native languages, warrior actually means something along the lines of the person who takes blood of another. And so it started being, you know, animals for food. And then obviously as populations grew and tribes started having issues with each other, it became to take the life of things that you weren't going to well, eat. Well, isn't it basically just the exponential growth of where we find ourselves, what you're referring to. So we started here as in a tribe, you would be the hunter, you take mm -hmm. others' blood, and then they're more mankind or men. I'm just going to say men, the general term, I know. I know you have to be so sensitive that with that stuff today's, but, but I'm including women too. But as man went through the history, then more tribes showed up, more men survived, and women because we can't survive without you guys. And there became um, this whole concept of scarcity of resources. Now I can't hunt on those grounds because this tribe says there's there. Well, okay, let's figure out how to settle this. Mm -hmm. You can either share it with us, or we're going to fight each other, and to the victor goes goes the spoils. You know, um, look, I understand the fundamental flaw in that, but that doesn't take it away from being part of the nature of man. I don't think you can separate that stuff, can you? So, so I'd have to find, I have to find an outlet because obviously I can't walk around with a sword or a spear killing people these days. I think 
there's a lot of people who fancy themselves warriors who've never been to war. Mm-hmm. I've been to three wars. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't even really do all that much, but I did some stuff. Any Anybody who fancies themselves a warrior, the, like the last thing I want is for people to have to go to war. Yeah. You know, it's, it's hard for me to kind of fathom since 2020. I was in Afghanistan in 2004. That's 16 years ago. And we've been at, we've had troops in there fighting people, getting killed. And when I say we, I'm not just referring to the United States. I'm referring to the whole coalition for 18 years. What have we accomplished? I don't know what we accomplished. Um, I know what I accomplished when I was there. I came home alive and I got to see my wife and my kids again. And Look, I'm not trying to justify anything, but that's kind of the mindset you have to get into. You have to go into this visceral, primal mindset that I'm coming out of this shit. Yeah, I don't know the right answer. I wouldn't go back. Now, matter of fact, I, when I when I got out of the military, it's because they wanted to send me back. And I'm like, no, I don't want to do that shit anymore. You know? Why not? Well, I was in my early 40s, and I just didn't feel like I could do the same kinds of things that I needed, the, the right kind of things physically and mentally. I was not focused anymore. Because you and me, have, we've had a few conversations, like you said, about, like we talked about toxic masculinity. That was which, a great conversation, which I loved it, and I, I was amazed by that conversation. But you didn't like the way I was calling, like, the word toxic, and you thought, well, you know, boys should be boys, and boys are, are fighting and wrestling, and... And whatever, and I was trying to explain to you in that conversation this other kind of masculinity, which is about rather than like me doing what I need to do to take care of myself and my family, it starts being about me doing other things to harm and hurt other people. I see that. I'm glad you brought that conversation up. And, and here's why I love that conversation. Because we got somewhere. Mm-hmm. And we got somewhere for exactly the reason that you were talking about. Because it was hard. Because I didn't like some parts of it. And I'm pretty certain you didn't like some parts of what I said to you. But it's not personal, and it's okay. Because we have to coexist, right? We have to coexist. And we have to have these conversations, because otherwise nobody's learning. It's Like, if I'm just canceling everybody who has a different opinion that I don't agree with out of my life, then nobody's going to get better or healthier or stronger. We're just going to sit alone. <laughs> That's pretty horrible, isn't it? Yeah. Isn't that pretty horrible? Yeah. And You know, you met my wife and you know how much I love her. Look, I don't have any qualms in the most positive sense of the word. My wife's a bitch. And you know what? That's the kind of woman I need in my life to keep me moving in a positive direction. You know, we, we both have very strong characters and very we're both very opinionated. She can put you in your place, no? <laughs> I think she can, yeah, absolutely. She can. She's supposed to, and I can do the same for her. Yeah. It's a balance. I mean, depending on... that. Look, there's certain subjects we just will not have conversations about because she's never going to change her opinion. I'm never going to change mine. So that's okay. We can coexist. We know where we stand. But yeah, she can put me in my place. Yeah, that's part of the deal, isn't it? How long have you guys been together? 25 years. What's the like biggest kind of takeaways that you have from that? Because that's not that normal anymore. Well, I think that the biggest takeaway is look, 20, 25 years was not like all roses, champagne, and caviar. It was a lot of thorns and rocks in your, our shoes and pain and suffering. I think that's a requirement 
for a strong relationship. But in today's culture, in today's manner of thinking, oh, shit, I got a rock in my shoe? I'm not going to take the rock out of my shoe. I'm going to throw my fucking shoes away. Mm. How dare these shoes let there be a rock in there? That's craziness, Mike. You got to do the work, don't you? You got to do the work. It's difficult to have a relationship. I guess I guess for people who are early on in their relationships with their, to use Carlos's term, their favorite people, you got to go through that stuff, man. Because at some point you do get to the pot of gold at the end of the It ain't gold. It's not money. It's something that's way more valuable. It's that connection you have with the, you got to go through that stuff, I think. I you were just saying about how, like, you feel like you've evolved past the point with your view of women. Do you think that that could have happened without the relationship with your wife? Or is it having a daughter that changes that? Or I think it's both things. They're both my daughter. I have a gorgeous daughter, you know that. And I worry about her because I don't see her as making good decisions sometimes. But i got to let her make the bad ones. She's got to have shoes for the rocks. She's got got to have some rocks in her shoes along the way. But I think it's both things. I mean, I've always had a tendency. So it's like I have these two sides. I have this one side where, you know, I was just talking about I want to go to war. But I also, I'm fascinated by women. But I'm not fascinated by women in the sense that I want to have carnal knowledge of a bunch of women. Emotionally, I can't handle that. I'm a wimp. I can't do it. But I want to have like a meaningful relationship with a woman, you know, I always have. Because that's different when you, surely when you went away to the military and you most, I would assume most of the people you were spending your time with was, was men. Yeah, 99% of them, yep. And do you feel like, so bringing it back to that conversation with like the masculinity and whatever, like that environment would then become very kind of masculinized I would imagine. It is masculinized. Let's not let's not mess around with it. It's the military is a by its very nature throughout the history of the world, it's a machista organization. Mm-hmm. It, it is as masculine as can be, mm-hmm. okay? So in my years in, we went through several things like the way they treated women that were in the military. I went through a thing called where we had to go through these debriefings uh, called the tail hook scandal. Jet fighter pilots that land on the aircraft carriers. They took a, a fellow naval officer. And they like groped her and shit. They had this thing called the gauntlet. It's, and it, but people look it up tail hook. So I went through that. And then until the Obama presidency, you could be gay in the military. And then in the Obama administration... They said it was okay. People could come out and they could start. Because it's always about, it's not really about your sexual orientation. It's always about like taking some kind of social status or social benefits away from people. So the thing in my perspective is like, if I'm not gay, I love women. But if I was, I wouldn't want to say being, being in love with a woman was illegal and you have to live your life in hiding. Say the norm was being homosexual or a lesbian. Mm. You're a heterosexual. We're going to persecute you. You're not allowed to to live your life in the open. And, and my only perspective on that is I wouldn't want to do that myself personally. But it's a masculine situation. And anyway, when that happened, they started having a lot more rapes when they said, you know, you, you could be openly homosexual. A lot more rapes. Not just males on females. Males on males. In the military. So where I'm going with this is if you look back to like, say, the Sumerian armies, Mm-hmm. The Persian armies, the Greek armies, the Roman armies. There were armies of whores, both male and female, because we know in that world, uh, being bisexual or homosexual, that was not really frowned upon. 
to follow those armies around. So if people want to move past that, somebody who's in charge, I don't know who that person is, has to come out and say, look, in the history of the world, that's been part of the culture of the military, which is, in fact, as you refer to, that is toxic masculinity, right? Yeah. This is where it stops right here. But they won't do that for whatever reason. I remember before I retired, having to do human trafficking training. But I also remember early on in my career going, being told to go places that I now know people were probably slaves. And not just, I, I wasn't the only one that went there. The commanders went there. The people that were in charge went there. And they encouraged us to go there. Now, without passing judgment, that's obviously not okay. No. But until somebody who's in charge says this is where it stops from this point forward, vocally and in public, what do you really think is going to change? Well, and even, even then, like they say it, and it still takes a while for people to go along with it, right? Some people are never going to go along with it. Yeah. Because they don't believe life is dynamic. They believe yeah. it's static. So no matter what you do, what you do, you're going to have these issues you need to deal with. But I think it's important to have that. The word that came up today was we were talking before we sat down with, you have to reset at some point, right? You have to hit the reset button. And that means you're kind of starting from zero and see where it takes you. It might work out. It might not. Yeah. You just got to do it anyway. You got to give it a shot. Yeah. Don't you? Is that the definition of courage? To feel the fear and do it anyway? I think so. But there's some people that actually don't feel fear. The very few. True? Yeah, absolutely. For nothing? I've seen them. I've seen them. They do shit that's like, oh my God. Yeah, it doesn't affect them. I don't know. They say it doesn't. Like a chemical thing in the brain or something. That... I don't know. I don't, I don't have the answer to that one. But yeah, there's, there's very, like, once again, I'll tell you very few, but there are people that don't experience fear. And then there's a whole, a, a great majority of people that do what I used to do for a living, that experience fear, and do whatever they got to do anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, the entire experience is traumatic. Because we talked about it as well, about just the kind of initiations and people, you know, training you to become a soldier and training you to do what you're told. And They reset you. Mm-hmm. They reset you, and they make you realize that it's bad in one way, but it's also good in one way, because... And I, and I view it from afar because I haven't lived in the States for a really long time. Let's say the, the racism issue in the States that that we think exists. We really don't know if it exists, but that's what we see from the media, right? I don't have those issues because I remember like in that reset process, you kind of go to this general space and then they come pick you up and they take you to where you're going to be for the next I don't remember if it's eight or ten weeks, whatever. The days are, like, in the beginning, really long. 18-hour days where you're out on the street, you know, yeah. marching around and shit. So you're, like, they're sleep-depriving you intentionally. Yeah, but not to the worst stage of sleep deprivation. We got back to our company space, and they're like, you got to all take showers in, like, 30 minutes. So you had white guys and black guys and Asian guys and Hispanic guys. Some guys you don't even know where they're from. Right, all mixing, everybody's naked, and you're like rotating through this shower thing where you get wet, you soap up, start rinsing off, and it's a whole reset process to kind of say, We don't care what you look like, we don't care where you're from, we don't care how much money you got, you're all in this together. And the way we need you to gel to get through this is to become a team. Got it. So, while while there's certainly parts of it that are not 
great. I think there's, I think it's like everything. It's a 50-50 proposition. There's some things that are really positive. Like my resilience is from that experience. Sure, like your ability to like plan ahead and to coexist with other people and collaborate. And yeah, yeah. And well, you got to plan everything in the military. Yeah. You're talking about like battalion I was with in Afghanistan. It's 1,200 guys. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. City. With a lot well, of guns. It's gun- a town, isn't it? With a lot of guns. Yeah. And a lot of ammunition, a lot of resources to go and do what I told you in our toxic masculinity conversation. Kill people and break shit. Yeah. That's the job. It's not a pleasant job. I, I don't want to give people the perception that I'm like saying that's the best thing in the history of the world. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that's the reality. And if that's what it is, then why can't we just say it the way it is? Right? But that's why I wanted to have you on this podcast too, because I feel like it's so easy to become, you know, this kind of yogi philosophy and like, oh, I'm a spiritual warrior. I'm just going to surrender and like just allow. And my job is just to breathe in the good shit and breathe out the bad shit. And I'm like, hello, seriously? Like, wake up a little bit, you know, there's stuff going on. And I'm not saying that we should all join the military, but we should all be aware of at least where our tax money is going in some way, right? Like, we're yeah. paying that war machine. I feel like a lot of people um, outside of the military can have very derogatory views as well. Well, here's my question to those people who would say that I'm horrible. I know about what you do. I know about being spiritual. I know about meditation. I know about all those things. What do you really know about what I used to do? That's good. What do you really know? You're yeah. making assumptions. Mm-hmm. You really don't know. So, okay. If that's how you want to formulate your hypotheses and come up with judgments, I'm good with you doing that. But I'm not good with me doing that. That's the integrity part. You think? I think so. Integrity is a tough one. Integrity is really tough. But surely that, that is that part about I know who I am and what I stand for. And I know what I've done. And I know the parts that I'm proud of and the parts that I'm, you know, even sometimes like ashamed of. But I, I'm, I'm okay with them. I accept them. And then... Is that the only way to move forward? Well, I mean, I suppose like if it's... Because that's where like that masculine mind comes in, where it's like it's just like forward and onward, and maybe like the kind of more feminine consciousness is a bit more like fuzzy and blurry and dancing around and making mandala shapes and yeah, rolling your eyes at me now, but you're doing the circle, you know. It's true. I mean, I, it's it's uh, a different kind of like movement. It might not necessarily be from A to B with like a military precision and execution. It's more just like squiggling around. Trying out different things. I would say you guys, we have one button, you guys have a whole bunch of buttons. Yeah. And like if you touch my button, you know what's going to happen. If I touch any one of your buttons, I have no fucking idea what the outcome is going to be. And isn't that, isn't that the interesting part? <laughs> no idea. Like, whoa, yeah. where's this going to take me? So let's started, talk about my therapy. Yeah, let's talk about your therapy. It's almost going to bring it into like the yoga, and that's kind of been part of the therapy. In some it has way. been, but the therapy is cool because. I don't think I, I need therapy because of what I went through. Mm-hmm. I think I need therapy because there's too many other people around me that don't get that it. have not gone through what I've gone through. So uh, my entire norm, my entire baseline has shifted. Yes. Get it. Oh, my God. That's huge, right? Somebody said the trauma is only like it only stays traumatized with you when nobody else can like hold it for you. So like if I was in the States. Yeah. 
they have these places called Veterans of Foreign Wars. Mm-hmm. And you have had to have served in a foreign war for the United States of America to join these places. So you know what that place is? It's one big, huge therapy session. Sure. Because all those guys and girls, there's women there too now. Um, less. Less. And then there's less women who see comment. But I'm going to tell you what. I can pull some. I'll send you some stories of some, some badass women that were in the American military. I'm sure. And like, well, there was a girl in my jujitsu class in Rhoda. She's amazing. She's the strongest woman I ever met in my life. Physically or physically, physically, but I also think mentally, but she's also really young. So I don't know. I don't know that she's, she's like 26 or 27, I want to say. So I don't, I don't know that she's like hit that peak psychologically and mentally and where she's going to fully formed. I don't think 35. I don't think so. But, but physically, physically, she was amazing. Right now, let me qualify that. It's not really even fair. A lot of guys say, well, I'm stronger than her. Well, you're a fucking man. Yeah. Our strengths are different. Yeah. It's a different it's a different thing. But assessing her as a woman, physically she was amazing. You know? And I remember she was like pouting jujitsu. I don't think it's gonna work. And she's kinda got this sarcastic like thing where she talks out the side of her mouth. I miss her. I miss her a lot. So shout out to Marnie. Because I'll send this to her, she'll hear it. She's like telling me, I don't think jujitsu is gonna work. And we had this guy come in, he had been like to three classes. And not unlike Carlos, I was sitting on the side and I was coaching her and I was telling her what to do. She she beat this poor guy up and he never came back to jujitsu. <laughs> she never he never came back to jujitsu. She did. Yeah, she did. Hell yeah, she competed in her first tournament, cool. won a silver medal. You know, that's those are those are huge things. But it's different from from going to war though, right? Like going she went to war. She went. She, she went, went to, to war. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. If she went to war, but she served with a. She served with an elite Marine Corps unit. Okay. And it's pretty interesting because are we done with therapy? Can we segue into something else? Yeah, we can segue. Because signing up for the U.S. Marines is supposed to be one of the, you know, supposed to be one of the toughest, like breakthrough trainings it's you hard. can have, right? Marines are. It's but a, choosing to do that, it's like it's not for your Instagram anymore. It's something else that's driving you. Do you think it is, like, if you are that strong that you just want to see, like, can I do it? There's a great quote from a guy who was a Marine, and and it's from this book called Good to Great. It talks about the business world and what ties the best companies together. And there was this one where the guy was either, he was high-ranking Marine. I don't know if he a colonel, which is before you make general or flag officer, that's as high as you can get, or if he was, like, a lower-end flag officer. But they often asked him about, and he he would, like, be, he was the CEO of this company. It's the first one in the morning last one to leave in the evening this is something that marines do i don't know if you know this but when you're working with the marines all the officers eat last all the officers in senior ranking ncos they eat last you know who eats first the e1 you know why the first one that's going to get killed ain't going to be the colonel it's going to be the e1 so if we're going to we're going to tell this poor son of a bitch to go to his death potentially at least we're going to send him with a full belly it sounds horrible, but isn't it kind of humane on some level too? But they asked him, how do the Marines get so many great people? How do you make so many great people? And his reply was, and I'm paraphrasing, we don't make great people. We locate and recruit people with common values. Hmm. The warrior class hypothesis in mind. 
yeah, you, they want to do that. They they want to be tested. They want to see where they went. And I got to I got to tell everybody I was not a Marine. I was a Navy corpsman, which the Marine Corps does not have medical. So they have. What does that mean? They don't. Have they don't a have a medical department. They they oh, have, I they think use. You, mean the, they, you don't get medical insurance. No, they they get medical they care. They don't have a medical department, so they take Navy corpsmen with them to take care of them when they're in the field and whatnot. So I was a Navy corpsman. Now, that said, of all the jobs in the U.S. military, the job with the most decorations and the most medals of honor, which is the highest award you can get in the U.S. military, is U.S. Navy Hospital Corpsman. Because we do stupid shit like running into the line of fire and saving people because, well, if I swear to you that I'm going to take care of you, then there really is no other choice, is there? That's what I told you I was going to do. That, you know, the four agreements, being impeccable with your word. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so they just... They know how to locate the people that have common values, and they put them together. And when you put that kind of energy together, you know from your yoga classes, when you have the right group of people in a room, mm-hmm. it's magic, isn't mm-hmm. it? Well, there's really no difference. It's just about trying to get the right energy going. And once you get that, it runs away. It's all, it's You ain't even in control of nothing anymore, are you? you know? No, I mean, I can imagine, like, it's you know, because obviously if we compare it to yoga, like if you go to a yin class in the evening and it's all about like opening and being a little bit more calm versus if you go to a power yoga class at 7.30 in the morning and it's a two and a half hour power class. And I love being in the power yoga class, but I also like that I can go off and do the other things and fit in over there too. So I don't know if I'm like in the warrior energy all the time. Did I tell you the shaman thing about the four chambers of the heart? No. So they say because your heart has four chambers and each chamber represents an archetypal energy. And so you have first the healer, the warrior, the master, which is more like the teacher or the maestro in Spanish, because master can sound a bit funny in English, and then the visionary. And the idea then is if you are 100% warrior, you're still only ever 25% of your full capacity as a human being that you can't be a warrior all the time. And I was, I've been really interested in like tribal warriors and how they were greeted home. So I know in a lot of Native American traditions, when they came home from war, the people of the village would sit down and hear their stories for as long as they needed to be told. And sometimes it would be days. And people would just come and sit and eat food and listen to the warriors talk about what they'd been doing so that they would be integrated back into the tribe and so that the tribe could also take those painful memories and hold them. Because we need to know what's on the other side. Like we need to know who the bad guys are so that we can appreciate the people who take care of us, right? And I guess that's something that doesn't happen that much anymore and where people can feel a little bit we don't distant think, we don't from think we're, We don't think we're tribal anymore, do we? The guns got too. The guns got way too long, and the buttons got too simple. Yeah, you might be right. They work well. Yeah. They really do. Yeah, it's scary. Yeah. Kind I'm of, less scared of that than doing this podcast with you. Really? Oh yeah. Why? I don't have an explanation. Do you think that you have a little bit of that brain chemical for the right amount of fear missing? I don't know. I, I liked your whole thing about the four chambers of the heart. That's kind of like a similar idea with the, the triad of, you yeah. know, physicality, spirituality, and emotional, yeah. yeah. 
it's a similar thing. You can't be whole until you address everything right. and find a balance. So you're talking 25% for those four things. What I'm talking about is, you know, it'd be like 33% of everything until yeah. you get that balance, you know? So, and I believe in that. I believe that, you know, you have to have those four archetypical energies covered. Do you think that you and me would have had this kind of connection if we would have met like... No, I don't think so. I mean, I, I don't think... I, I know for a fact I wasn't probably ready for it. Do you think that you've had like what people call like a spiritual awakening? Maybe. I don't know. I don't even know how to define that. I don't think much about it. Do you think like... Because for some people it's like a specific moment. Like, yes, this was the moment when everything just changed. And for other people it's just kind of a slow I think it's just for me it's just been like a slow Mature. once I got in touch with my with who I wanted to become mm-hmm. it's just been a slow natural process like a maturate like you know if you make really good wine or something letting it age properly not rushing it you know yeah when and when you do that it's magic too right so and I'm not saying I'm magic or anything I, that's the furthest thing from my mind is what I am. I I'm like just, it. I'm just a normal guy. You've called yourself wisdom. What do you? What's your definition of wisdom? Isn't it the ability to be objective, to step back, to see it from outside of your perspective alone, to see it from, um, see more of a global? I saw one the other day that I really liked, but I mean, there's many, but one that I saw that I liked was Wisdom is using your knowledge for the benefit of others. Yeah, that's what I do. That's yeah. why I love coaching jujitsu. Yeah. So I was talking about Marnay. We had another kid, Breland, that started with us in Rota. And he just won the blue belt, 150-pound state championship in Florida. Went to Carlos. And I'm like, look, dude, this is a seed we planted. So, yeah, that's where it comes from. I, I, try, to, I try to take the best of who I can be. And share it with everybody. You know, if I can give myself to somebody else and they can figure out that they want to be better in some way, shape, or form, isn't that the noblest of pursuits? There's also that quote, I think it's from the ancient Greeks, about society will be good when old men plant trees under which shade they will never sit themselves. So the idea that you're not doing it for yourself anymore, it is for... I'm not doing it for myself, but I can't deny the fact that there's a huge benefit for me. Yeah. But that's not where it starts. There's not from wanting that feeling. It's from like a different... So I have that that's with a me byproduct. A I have that with myself a lot. I'll be like, why am I doing this? Like, this doesn't make any sense. And then it's just, there's just this drive from within that I'm just letting shine through me. Yeah. And... Half the time people don't see it, and sometimes people do, and when they do and they point it out, it can sometimes make me uncomfortable because that's not... I almost stopped to... Dis- like, really? I almost ceased to... Dis- I'm going to point it out next time I see it because you made me uncomfortable last week. Why? When you were talking about how you perceive me. Really? <laughs> oh, I told you in the moment, don't you remember? Yeah, a little bit. I just don't view myself like the way you describe me. No, and I probably don't view myself the way other people describe me either. You want to know how I describe you? Yeah. When I tell people about you, I just yeah. say, yeah, you know, Maya is Carlos's wife. She's a shaman. And they're like, like so yeah. That she, wasn't very helpful. <laughs> they're just looking at you like, what is that? She's a shaman. And they start to ask me. I said, she's a witch doctor. And they're like, I'm like, yeah, she's a witch doctor. She's like a really spiritual person. 
well, what does that even mean? Yeah, that's right. What, what, what do you want it to mean? Yeah. Decide. I mean, she's a witch doctor. I mean, she's a shaman. She's a spirit. She's a she's a healer. That's what shamans did in tribes. But you see, like you say that I'm a healer, yet somewhere along the line there, we connect over the warrior part too. And then through your jujitsu and through my yoga, we're connecting There's four with that, chambers. Yeah, that mastery part, which is like not becoming a master of someone else and owning slaves, but rather becoming a mastery, master of your craft or getting mastery of some kind of skill. Didn't we talk about that? Because I... Yeah. A couple of years ago, I did a, I started a yoga class. Yeah. And it was just too goddamn cultish for me. The yoga, the yoga teacher training. Yeah. Though. It was yeah. just like a cult. Yeah. And I was like, I guess this is an opportune time to tell people I was raised a Roman Catholic, right? And when I got to confirmation, I was like, I'm getting the hell out of this shit. This is like a cult. It's not based on the spiritual portion of that religion. It's based on the infrastructure that they have. What mankind has done to it. Yeah, and the fanatic kind of yeah. energy. Yeah, and I'm uh-huh. like, that's not for me. I couldn't have said it that way at the age you go through confirmation, which I want to say is like 16 or 17. I couldn't have said it the way I just said it now. But I'm not the same person that I was then. But, I, you know, now in retrospect, I can see that. It's like, wow. I don't, you know, spirituality, you know, these things, that these words that we throw around spirituality and religion and faith and belief and all that that's so highly personal mm. you know even your personal and i like i admire you as for what you do for me on on the spiritual side but you're not imposing your will on me you're kind of opening some pathways yeah occasionally like see? knocking knocking yeah. a few <laughs> so go figure one out see which one you like the best oh and by the way there's six of them and you don't have to stay on one. You can come and go back on four or three or six. And you don't have to go in order either because I don't give a shit what you do. Well, I do, but it's not up to me. Well, yeah, yeah you do. But I don't. But you got to give people latitude yeah. to explore. Yeah. And that's how I want people to be for me too. I want people to call me out, you know, but also to give me space to be human. And I've always found it very hard when people, because a lot of people obviously call me spiritual. That's a word that I hear a lot about me. And it's very confusing to me because I feel like everything is so clearly spiritual in its essence that that's kind of like saying, well, you know, like the sky is blue. Like that, that wasn't very descriptive. That's just a fact, you know. So I'm spiritual until I meet people who are evidently really not. And that happens less and less to me. I guess some kind of, you know, your vibe attracts your tribe or whatever. So I meet these people less and less. But there are occasions when I'm confronted with people and I'm like, almost like in some kind of shock or like I just feel stunned. Like, really? It's because they're giving you their poison. You're not. Like, you're not. They're giving you. They're giving. They're poisons right there. It's on the tip of your tongue and they want you to take a drink. Oh. Right? And it just blows my mind, you know. But I had recently with a few people where I had to stop myself because I thought, these people are terrible, they're awful human beings. And then I just went, no, they're not present. They don't get it. They're not doing this out of, like, you know, a bad place. They're just not aware of what they're doing. we got to be nice to former versions of ourselves. Right. You know, You're I never just... that far away from what you used to be, are you? Well, I was just thinking, so I've got a little picture in my mind because some of these people who... You know, like I was a sinner, now I'm a saint. It was black and white. It was just one moment, everything changed, now I'm perfect, now I'm done. Those people scare me 
Whereas people who can admit to, you know, like I've learned a lot today and I'm not the same person going to bed tonight who woke up this morning, then yes, you can see yourself in other people. But if you have this black and white thinking of like, now I'm, now I'm perfect and everybody else is an asshole, then it is hard to relate to the assholes. But when you can see it more as like a process, you know, the peeling of the layers of the onion. We're never that far away from what we used to be. That, right. Whatever you used to be. Is that, that why your jujitsu logo is a monkey? <laughs> yeah, I'm a monkey. I'm I'm a talking ape. I mean, but but honestly, we're never we're we're just honestly one step away from the worst manifestation of ourselves. Oh yeah. It's just okay. one slip up, and that's where yeah I got the monkey, but also you know I have on one of my arms a Sanskrit humility. You know, and you, that's a concept you have to stay grounded with. You have to be humble. That's why I'm not comfortable with people telling me what they think about me. Because I don't take myself that seriously. You're literally one step away from the absolute worst version of yourself. At all times, all you got to do is respond to the dark side of all the stimuli that people are putting out there. All these people who want you to drink their poison. That's all you got to do. You just got to give in. That's not hard. That's easy. So to follow the more noble path is work. It's a struggle every day. It gets easier, but it also gets more challenging every day too, right? Yeah, well. You figure it out, and then it gets like they up the level. <laughs> and then some days you don't know what the hell's going on, yeah. right? That's the way it works. Yeah. So we talked about a whole bunch of different things now, and we're starting to draw towards the end of our conversation. At least this time. I would love to do this again. I think you have so much wisdom to share, even though... You like go yeah. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> Don't tell people. Um, do you have any like final words of wisdom that you would like to share with people who are listening now? Yeah, let's talk about mental health. Recently, took his life, and I think that it's really important to get the most positive thing out of that. And I think the most positive thing out there is uh, if you don't feel good, and I'm gonna start getting emotional. So it's okay. Um, Ask somebody for help. Somebody will help you. And if we can't help you, we'll get you to somebody who can help you. It's a tough one because some people are not ready to be that honest with themselves. But if you're ever thinking that the solution is to take your own life, it's not. Because you leave a lot of destruction behind you. While that's not your intent, from wherever you are, if you're looking down on us, you know that's the result. So, you know, we got, we've got to take care of each other. We've got to be more humane to each other. We've got to take each other along for the ride. If, if we don't, then what the hell does it matter how enlightened you are as an individual? It doesn't. Because nobody can do it alone. And that's a metaphor for life. Nobody can do anything alone. Even all the wonderful things you do. You're not alone. I couldn't do this podcast without you, man. No, you couldn't. You couldn't. And I couldn't have somebody sitting here listening to my bullshit without you. <laughs> That is so true. And I think more than anything, 2020 as a year for me is a big lesson about who I want to have close and who I need a little bit more space from. But the fact that I'm not going to run around and point fingers and call people names because they did something or said something. But, you know, not take their poison, like you said. No, that's what they want. They want mm -hmm. they want to bring you down. They don't mm -hmm. want to they don't want to lift. The, they don't want to lift you up. They want to. They want you to come down to their level. I'm going to go ahead and speak for myself and say I've been down in those depths, but I don't mm. want to go back there because it wasn't fun. Most of most people who 
think they're not that good at it. They just don't know what else to do. I think we've done a really good job, and I think this is going to be enlightening for a lot of people. And I really want to thank you for taking your time and for sharing from your heart about some things that are easy and nice and other things that are hard, but they do ultimately make you strong. And I feel like however you want to feel about it, I consider you a very strong man. And I'm very grateful for having you on this show, Light on Living, where we talk about the things beyond what you can see. So thank you. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to share who I am with not only you, but other people. So that's it, friends. That's it for this time. Thank you again so much for listening. I really hope from my heart of hearts that it has been inspiring for you, enlightening for you, that there was a part of you that got it, whatever it is. Try not to think too much about it. Again, so much gratitude to each one of you for tuning in, for listening to this work that I can't stop myself from putting out. It has to be done. I know I have to share these stories and these amazing people that have the bravery and the courage to share themselves in this way. I'm just going to go back to where I started and just say, please, before you forget, do that little thing for me now. Go to your app, click like, write a review, give me five stars, go on, you know I deserve it. Um, write something nice in the comments, share it with your friend, help this show to grow because we need more of this in the world. Again, friends, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for helping this show to grow. Thank you so much for being you. And thank you for all of the amazing work that you do on the spiritual journey. I wish you a beautiful day, week, weeks until the next episode. I'll do my best to bring another one out within the next two weeks. And until then... Stay attuned to yourself.